For most people, true heathenry is disappointingly normal. And this is Hyperborean Radio. I am the lore keeper, and with me, as always, is the Celtic God. Say it hello. me! Best, best quote of the year. It me! Oh, okay. Yeah. I got that on my system now. <laughs> <sighs> okay, uh, yes. So... Uh, let's get some of the plugs out of the way. Otherwise, we'll forget once we get going. Uh, Patreon, buy me a book. We have some Yule stuff coming out on Teesprings and uh, some great shirt designs by Neil Rundgren up already. Um, the T-shirt designs are. And we might have some of the Yule um, stuff out by the time this podcast is out. But we maybe. don't know. So just keep your eyes peeled. But, Yeah. This is actually something that's been bugging me. I got a little hair up my ass, and I, I I came to the conclusion that the easiest way to explain it is a lot of people are trying to make paganism abnormal. They kind of make it this something it's not. Paganism is actually the normal, the yeah. normal for our Like people. all the normal things that people normally do. Yes, and, and even the, the cultural touchstones and the broader way we do things, that is paganism. The abnormal is what is been hoisted upon us, and the abnormal is getting more and more pronounced in modern society, partially because there is so much not our normal present in our areas. Right. And I'm sure somebody's out there sitting there thinking very smugly to themselves, well, what is normal? Not that. I can tell you that that response is not normal. Normal is those things that you do without thinking about them. They're the things that all of us do without ha- even having to be taught. A baby, when somebody walks into the house, will look and make eye contact with whoever walked in the house. That is normal. Does that kind of help kind of give an idea of what normal is? Well, and to kind of give an example of how heathenry has been presented as the abnormal in contrast to the normal, which is Sabbaths, which is Sabbaths are often presented as these orgiastic blood affairs with like all this sorts of demonic imagery and stuff like that. And even when you're casting of magic spells and chants and summonings and yeah. And just all these things, they were actually disappointingly humdrum. They were closer, I guess you could say to a potluck or a picnic or a barbecue with live music. If they could get it. Yeah. If they could get it. I mean, and here's the thing. Live music wasn't, let's go hire the bard. It was uncle Frank and his fiddle. There's a reason the devil is associated with things like bagpipes and drums and fiddles. It's because those are the common instruments the average person or pagan or heathen had. Or the devil and his his uh, enchanting voice. It might be somebody that gives really good speeches or just a good singer. But somebody with an enchanting voice. Uh, the the devil is associated with a lot of stuff in that in that way, but yeah, the the witches' sabbath. It was you got uh, most people have had them or been part of them when they was in the backyard with their family. Have you ever had things. a Fourth of July party? You witch, you. Yes. How dare how dare you? Or uh, let's say somebody because I've had people ask me things like, "Well, how do you do Yuletide?" How do you have a pagan wedding? Here's a little secret. You're already doing it. It's already the typical norm. There's just extra gunk on top that doesn't need to be there. Right, like the the $3 million dress and all that has nothing to do with nothing. What it is is two people getting up in front of people, bowing to each other in front of family and friends. Yeah, that's the basis of it. And then there's just other elements Everything of it. Everything else is just window dressing. It's window dressing. And most of it's actually pr- pretty old. It's the more modern things like the white dress and the veil. And a lot of these other things are fairly new, at least in how they're done. But 
weddings are pretty much pagan, even when they're done in churches. So long as you don't like overemphasize the Jesus stuff, it's just a building. Now, on the other hand, you also have Yuletide. Yuletide is done just like Christmas. You don't have to overcomplicate it. It's the same holiday. Just like holiday. Christmas, but longer. So it's basically what everybody's trying to do. Oh, yeah. They it's... get up their decorations early. They, they start the singing early. They, it's, it's all the stuff that you're doing that everybody else is like, why are you doing that? It's not Christmas yet. You're doing Yule. You're, and you're doing it right. Just remove the, the baby from the manger, and I think that's literally it. Well, yeah, because most of You the... can still have the, the... What's that that scene called? Yeah, the manger scene, right? Yes. You can still have the manger scene. Just take the baby out of it. And and actually, you could just change the name of the baby. Oh, yeah. To Because uh, my family still did the whole manger scene thing, right? Whoever was the youngest child was the baby. And why Why did we do that? Because somebody gave us uh, a, a really scene. expensive major, manger scene. And you just kind of went with and it. And we're like, oh, okay, well. And, and the manger scene was, was pretty old, so by us, I mean like my grandparents or my great-grandparents. But, um, yeah, all we did with it was the, the baby and the manger scene we just called it whatever the youngest child was. Well, and it's actually something that pagans are pretty good at. We'll take, oh, um, what is it? Well, it's this thing. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, here, it's yours. You, you figure out what to do with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so how's your manger scene, little Susie? Well, you see, this is the little, this little, what is this thing called again? Uh, I think they call it an angel. It looks kind of like a fae. Okay, this fae is named Fred, and he's got beef right now with Susie, this little kneeling woman thing. Mm -hmm. and, and eventually it just turns into action figures. That's what I used to do with the manger scenes my mom had. They were action figures that only came out at Christmas. So really, our ethnic faith is the normal it's everything minus the extra steps well and the, the extra steps are what's over complicating things it's like the gods we're raised with gods like in america for example we have santa claus mother earth which is actually her name if you want you can add an a and it's mother eartha but it means the same thing jack frost santa claus paul bunyan uh even sagas like people will start talking about the great viking sagas they're quite literally just the histories with a little bit of myth thrown in. Some of them are literally accountingless. Yes. And they're the sagas of that area, Iceland and Scandinavia specifically. And there's a few that show up in other areas. There's a lot, actually, but specifically in English, most of them are from the Norse countries. There are sagas quite literally called sagas in America. If you're American... Your sagas are the sagas of Doc Holliday, the sagas of Pecos Bill, of Davy Crockett, Davy Jones. These stories and sagas that were written about the mythological figures and the historical heroes of America. That's why nobody really wants to read the sagas in the diaspora. Is really, you're reading the history of another country. Which, if you know that's what you're doing, you might enjoy it. But if you're trying to read it for some mythical spiritual thing you're going to be sorely disappointed it's not that the gods don't show up in them but they're hardly in them and that's the way most people will even phrase it the gods are hardly in the sagas what they're not telling you is a lot of the sagas are kind of like reading somebody else's grocery list yes well it's like uh even the folklore because a lot of people have read or seen Grimm's fairy tales or common fairy tales from across our lore we're, we're still raised with them to this day. They're usually watered down now, but if you actually look at them, you'll notice a very common trait across most of them. The people are the primary focus. It, you end up more balanced. Balance doesn't mean my red dot is speaking to the chi within my 17 chakras, and mm. I have, am able to read your aura through the mana list that I have from my grimoire. That'll be twenty nine ninety nine ninety nine for opening up your 17th chakra. Yes. If you contact us soon, you'll be able to get the new 18th chakra that we've just developed. In purple. <laughs> it's why, like, when people get into 
like New Age. There's a reason people mock New Age. It's ridiculous. It is. It's it's people acting in a way that's abnormal. You know, that's why they all end up skinny, smelly vegans. Yeah. Well, like, what's another normal thing? Most people uh, want to let their grass grow. It's most people don't want to go out there and be cutting the grass. And part of it's because we're lazy. But the other part is because we just like the grass a little longer. We don't like it necessarily four feet deep, but we don't like it cropped down to two inches either. No. Well. It's pokey. It's stabby when it's that short, mm-hmm. especially if you have it densely grown. Mm-hmm. So you want it long enough that it's like soft to lay in. Like um, if you want to know the difference, lay in short grass versus longer grass. Yes. There is a point where you have diminishing returns, but there's that sweet spot. And here's the thing is you'll actually keep yourself roughly at that sweet spot without even mowing. So long as you just do stuff out there or you have animals that eat grass. Yeah. It'll it'll even itself out. Even then, sometimes sometimes you gotta mow the lawn. But I notice most people, before they even get inclined to want to mow it, it starts getting to to a depth where it's problematic to walk through it. And it's like, oh, I need to mow the lawn and then cut it back down shorter. And they, I've seen so many people go out, not in the cities because they're trained to cut their their grass so short where they'll they'll scalp it just so that they don't have to do it anymore. That's the lazy side of us. But in the country, I've seen a lot of people raise their decks up as high as they can, sometimes ra- uh, modify the deck of the lawnmower so it will go even higher so that they're cutting their grass at like four inches deep as opposed to cutting it at an inch and a half. Why? Because they like to go out in the in the yard and do stuff, and they don't like getting stabbed by the grass. It's normal for us to want to let our plants grow. It's normal for us to look at each other, at least look at each other when we're passing by each other. It's normal for us to, okay, a lot of hyperboreans, mostly male, but I have had some females admit to this, in a room full of people and figure out how to kill everyone. You're not crazy. You're not homicidal. It's a defense mechanism. It is. It's... It's, it's not ex- because you want to kill them. Most people don't, at least m- normal people don't want to. But we do have a tendency to figure out uh, contingency plans. Let's call them that. You're not crazy. A psychologist would say, well, you you must have homicidal tendencies. No, 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 no. We're all no. apex predators. This, this is normal for hyperboreans. Yes, because we're all apex predators. It's like bears. Bears are constantly sizing each other up. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. Whether you view it as metaphor or whatever, Hyperboreans are basically, in how we've set up our society, we're bears that decided to go act a bit more like wolves. We're mm-hmm. bears with the social structure of wolves. Yeah, to 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 break it down to a, a simple digestible level, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. And all these normal things that we do that that have nothing to do with any religion, political belief, um, uh, society telling you what to and what not to do, but these normal things that we do without thinking about it, these are, that is heathenry. That uh, Heathenry is disappointingly mundane. Well, it's like people want idols of the gods or the ancestors. You have them. They're called photographs. Photographs, uh, st- uh, little statues. Paintings. Uh, um, uh, action figures, all these things. Well, a lot of our old school idols. Are collectibles. Yeah, collectibles. Because, like, collectible cards, collectible comics, collectible action figures, they're really old. Yeah. Like, we don't know how old they are. That's how old they are. We're just now currently taking that tendency and turning it towards weird, meaningless stuff. Oh, yeah. I don't think you need your 500th Funko Pop, personally. But to each their own. And I know that there's people out there that have uh, Pokemon cards. There's nothing wrong with Pokemon cards, but I'm going to use Pokemon cards as an example. Ultimately, they are effectively meaningless unless you actually play the game with friends, in which case then they have a meaning. But I know some people just collect them. They just like the pictures on them. That's fine. Which is fine. But these same, the same physical thing done with 
um, heroes and with our gods who are effectively heroes, uh, some of our ancestors. These things, that would actually be closer to what we actually normally do. They've managed to monetize it and then get us away from from our nature of collecting, I don't know, Daniel Boone cards or... Well, they used to do that like there used to be, uh, in, at least in America, and these go back further, but the one I know in America, they used to, when they would make a new ship, like a, a steamboat on the Mississippi. Oh, yeah, the, the collector cards on those. Yes, and they'd usually name them after gods or heroes or famous instances. List the, uh, list the crew and the captain, or at least the, the first crew and captain. That was it, They're collectibles, and yes. it's the same with our gods. I mean, it's very telling that they're the three most popular card games, at least in the United States. You have two that were pretty much uh, nostalgia bait. So you have like Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon. Then you have Magic the Gathering. What is Magic the Gathering mostly based off of? Fantasy. Mm-hmm. People. And what is fantasy mostly based off of? Well, sometimes they'll literally just do a card of Thor, but they mm-hmm. don't do Thor. So they'll just rebrand it. Or they did one that was uh, based in Greek mythology. And they... Made up most of the gods, but then they had a few that were obvious, either just renamed mm-hmm. Greek gods, or they just straight up used the name. They've done multiples based on our fairy tales, on our gothic horror. It's the same instinct, it's just being played for a for-profit corporation. And this brings me to another thing that uh, a lot of people try to ascribe intense, deep meaning to, and is disappointingly mundane. The runes. They are an alphabet. Demonstrably so. That is what they were used for. That is what they've always been used for. The use of them as magic is less than two centuries old. At least in the way people are doing it. Yeah. Uh, well, you're saying they the were The oldest that I've seen being able to track it back to is the late 1700s. Because fucking Guido, he didn't make it all up on his own. Well, no, but... There the, was occultists before him. Well... And the thing is, occultists make up stuff, and then people treat it like they got divine wisdom handed to them from, like, the gods of the abyss or something. Yeah. I'm sorry to break it to you. I mean, I have dreams all the time, too, but I don't share them with you guys and tell you that they're fact. Well, the thing is, you don't have a funny hat. That was your mistake. That's it. I need the funny hat. Yes. All good religions have a funny hat. Yes, all good cult leaders need a funny hat. You need a funny hat and a stick so that when somebody laughs at your funny hat or points at it, you whack them with the stick. Yes. The sti- get rid of the funny hat. Keep the wacky stick. Yes. <laughs> keep the wacky stick. Now, I immediately looked over in the corner, and there's three sticks in the corner. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> because that's normal. Immediately assess all the weaponry, all the dangers. It's what we do. It's normal. It is heathen as fuck to do that. Um, well, or the-, the... The collecting of things, like the collectibles, whether they're cards or um, action figures weapons it doesn't matter we collect stuff well and because ethnic faith is ethnic it includes history mm-hmm. the myths are the mytho history that's why the gods typically get involved it's like all right we're hearing about king who's it what's it who conquered the seven kingdoms of ginger ale or whatever and then people start getting bored and you're like Odin showed up or thor showed up or something and it's not that they didn't necessarily show up, but sometimes you embellish this a little bit. Well, it's not on topic, but it is kind of on topic. I think um, part of the whole, what uh, there's a name for it, the obsession with buying things. Uh, it's not mercantile. It's, uh, consumerism? Yes, consumerism has become a thing with our, well, probably actually with everybody, but I focus on our people. But it's really become a thing because heirlooms, have become not a thing. Most people don't have heirlooms, and if they do, they have like one thing where you used to live in a house full of heirlooms. So then what? why are we collecting so many uh, things of so many different It's types a nesting of instinct. Well, we're trying to create those heirlooms that we don't have. And unfortunately, it's rare to get a hold of something that is of heirloom quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for instance, uh, a while ago, we had some people that listened to our podcast. They didn't listen to the podcast. What they did was they overheard us recording and they lived in the same general area. Yes. Because we're loud. We're belligerent. We're a little bit of an Unapologetic. Asshole. Yeah. We're, That's why I like to call it is unapologetic. We're unapologetic heathens. They 
eventually abandoned most of the nonsense. They abandoned Christianity. They abandoned modernity. They pretty much decided and to And it get wasn't just because they listened. It was because they tried proving us wrong and by the rules that we set out for proving us wrong. You can't just do a simple Google search, top, top answer, walk away. No, you have to ask, ask the magic Google box several variations on the same question and dig through the information that, just for the first page or two. And they started doing this, and they're like, oh, crap. We're right. Well, we're right. And th they was like, oh, shit, those guys are right. Pretty much. And then by the end, they were actually telling us uh, the one girl, because it was a couple, the woman, she basically almost apologized for wearing a crucifix, and she explained she's not wearing this because she's Christian. This was the same day that we found out that they was actually listening to the podcast. Actually. Oh, yeah, we didn't realize how loud we were. We're us. But she still had it, but she was wearing it because it was a gift from her grandmother. Mm -hmm. This is kind of the complicated sort of wedge that's been thrown into is the crucifix is a old symbol from Europe. It's like how the Celtic cross is, well, a Celtic pagan symbol. Uh, I think the general idea is that the modern crucifix is an Armenian pagan mm -hmm. symbol. But it represents a Christian thing, but then... Actually saving the, even if you aren't Christian and you save, I don't know, a carving, a wood carving of St. Billy Bob Joel. I don't know. That's been in your family for 17 generations. That is perfectly normal. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter that it's not heathen. It is a family heirloom. It has value because your family kept it that long. You don't just get rid of something because now it's not the right religion. What's that one quote, quote that you uh, like saying? Because it's a good one. Um, something about there was once a time where we were never Christian, but there'll never again be a time where we were never Christian. There was a time where there was a t time where we weren't Christian, but there will never again be a time. Oh, wait, no, here it is. Um, there may become a time where we are no longer Christian, but there will never again be a time where we were never Christian. Something yes. along those lines. It's true. The thing is, is the gods have been fighting. They didn't go to sleep. They didn't fuck oh, off. Oh, yeah, that way. one. That one really gets me going. The gods are, are asleep or the gods have been sleeping. No, they wasn't. The gods were awake and screaming at the top of their lungs. Fighting tooth and nail for us. And, and nobody was notice. listening. And the ones that were, uh, well, we, we know how the witch trials worked out. Right. So... They're not asleep. They've been here the whole time. They've been fighting. These elements that remain for pagans that leave Christianity and go back to our old ways, our ethnic ways. They're scars. They're battle scars of your family lineage, of our gods. There are, it's why we want to, when we are eventually able to hopefully start a town, uh, set up a forest of forgotten gods is there are gods that are fallen and they're fallen because we don't even have their names anymore. Mm -hmm. And they're without number because we don't know how many we lost. And it's a large number. It, it, yeah, it's it's a whole thing. This has been when people describe this as a spiritual war. I don't disagree. But it's not the individual Christian. It's like we said in folk Christianity. The average Christian doesn't believe most of this stuff, and they're not really devoted to it anyway, but they care about their family. They care about their community. They care about tradition. They care about custom. These are all really pagan things. Right. Well, and there's some people that we don't agree with, but they still say smart things. Like, there we have done, we have built great buildings, created great art, told magnificent stories all under Christianity, but we didn't do it because of Christianity. We did it despite Christianity because that is what we do. We create beauty. We create stories. We breathe life into things. It, it's just who and what we do. It, it's who we are and what we do. It, that is our normal. Well, and it varies person to person because it's a living tradition. Mm -hmm. It's why the history usually ends up being part of ethnic faith. It's well, and with the story, for instance, the listening is as important as the telling. Well, it's one of the reasons getting the oral storytelling tradition restarted is so hard is not only do so few people 
have the ability to tell a story anymore, even writing it out, not just telling it verbally, but even writing it down has become a rare trait. But then even fewer people will listen. That's why in the last podcast, I complimented video games. It requires you to pay attention Mm -hmm. to actually enjoy or even do the story. You can't just push a button endlessly and win. If If the game does that, it wasn't a very good game. Yeah, it's a bad game and nobody likes it anyways. But it's it's like some of the, the practicing that you've been doing for oral storytelling. You've been reading books to me. And what is it that I do when you're reading the books? To me? I argue with the book. Well, of course. Or, or, I'll, or I'll comment on the book. It's because I'm actively engaged in the story. Well, I'll it's even not, do that. Yeah, and you, you do it too. It's I don't know if you've always done it, like just in your head. Like when I read to myself, it's I, I'll argue in my head. And give a running commentary on what I'm reading in my head. But I don't just download things. Like, I've seen where people will read, and then they just accept that face value with zero thought everything that was just said. They're just downloading it. That's not how stories actually work. Stories work in both the telling and the listening. Which isn't just downloading. It's actually absorbing it, thinking about it, talking about it well it's one of the reasons i'm always hesitant to hand out uh book recommendations Mm -hmm. because i have some i just don't know if the person i'm talking to can filter through it because i've had that happen before where i will openly give people book recommendations uh leads and all the warnings that go with it and then the warnings get ignored and they just run off with it well and part of it's because they over focus on things that don't matter like they'll they'll go through this like three paragraph long explanation that none of their points make sense and i see a bunch of issues with their logic and then have a conclusion that regardless if it was true or false changes nothing so the entire point is completely missing it's that desire we have to impress people and because there's not a lot of opportunities to physically impress people, competitively impress people. And then communities are so atomized. And then you have the global community. I mean, why even start singing? community. Why even start singing? I'll never sound like Beyonce. I'll never sound like X. Why even start drawing? No, but I you'll can't sound draw like as the well best as... version of you and you'll be able to draw like the best version of you. Well, it's people... If you want to be good at something, work at it. It's like cooking. Most people, when they're born, I've never met a baby that was like, and this is how you make an omelet. Right. The best omelet in the world. I learned this from 17 weeks while I was, pr- while I was in the womb from my mother watching Julia from, Child. From my prenatal education. Yes, which I think is actually a thing. They are. Oh, dear gods. It, it's. Whatever retarded thing that you can think of, it's a thing. Uh, and if it's not yet, it will be soon. <laughs> That's accurate. But it's not normal. That it, all that crap is not normal. What is normal is eating dinner with somebody that you care about. Um cooking dinner for somebody that you care about. Picking up, uh, spending time with people, going out wa- um when you People enjoy going for a walk in the park. What they're trying to do is get closer to the woods. That's normal. Arguing over the, well, what is a woman? What is a woman? No, really, what is a woman? What is a woman? That's not fucking normal. Well, what is gender? Well, what is a country? What is a nation? These are all false questions, mm-hmm. and everyone knows it. Like, Stop playing, playing with those. Well, it's like all you have to do is tell them no. Just just, just grab a hold of your balls, whether you got testicles or chesticles, and tell the motherfucker to fuck off. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely pair of words. Well, and that's like with the, uh, the video games. Well, video games aren't natural. Electricity isn't natural. Ele- ele- electricity occurs in nature. It's lightning, static electricity, so on and so forth. We can generate it. When we generate electricity, all we're doing is generating and storing static electricity. There's your science lesson of the day. We've well, figured out how to utilize that and get it to burn because light bulbs burn. Even the LED ones 
burn, which is what casts light. It's just the way that burns. It burns differently from fire, but it's, it's still fire. Teeny tiny electrical fire. That's, that is actually natural. Should we have to use them? That's a completely different argument. I forgot where I was going with it, but well, it was let, let, deep and important. Well, let me t- pick it up and see if you can uh, figure it out from there. What you're basically describing is magic. Yes. Magic and science are effectively indistinguishable. Ah, yeah, that's exactly where I was going with it. Thank you. Now, taking your singing bowl and rubbing your penis around the rim of it until you emit a even high-pitched tone while chanting chakra chants from 15 different languages and scribbling runes in the sand, that is not normal. That's not natural at all. You had to be taught specifically to do this thing and then ask yourself, what does it actually do? Aside from give wicked blisters on your dick. Right. Uh, I mean, what does it actually do? What is its actual function? Because you know... It's not actually doing any of this other nonsense. It's not opening up fucking interdimensional fucking portals so that you can pull out widget widgets. Well, and here's the thing is there are words in paganism that are given meaning that basically we have two extremes because our people are, again, we're a people of extremes. In heathenry, you have concepts like realms. You have concepts like magic and then in science and how people think in science fiction you have things like different dimensions and psychics these are basically the same thing they just gave them different names and both of them are incomplete because the magical understanding removes any conception of the the scientific the physical the observable but on the same token the scientific removes any element of wonder of Mm -hmm. something we just can't understand and here's the simple fact there will always be things we can't understand we are limited by what we are by our three pound meat muscle between our ears and the thing is is like i'm not trying to remove magic from anything by saying stop rubbing your penis on the singing bowl what i'm saying is everything is magic everything in nature is magic the light switch that turns on the light bulbs. That is magic. Rubbing two sticks together to create fire is equally magical. It doesn't require any incantations, doesn't require any incense, doesn't require any prayers. As a matter of fact, the prayers and incense might get in your way because you aren't, you aren't going to be able to breathe long enough to get the fire going by rubbing the two sticks together. That is equally as magical. People are after magic. They, they want the magic. Which is why heathenry is, uh, how is it that you worded it? Um, it's become disappointingly mundane. normal. Uh, disappointingly normal. Disappointingly mundane, disappointingly normal, disappointingly humdrum. It's because everybody wants this fantastical world. Well, when everything's magical, nothing's magical. No, when everything's magical, everything is magical. Well, it's like in Harry Potter, for instance. Magic is mundane. Because oh, every- yeah. I mean, you pointed out the, the one with Ron and the frog. Yeah. The, 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 the chocolate, hoppy chocolate frog. frog. It means nothing to Ron. Absolutely. He doesn't bat an eye. He's like, oh, there goes a chocolate frog. That was it. It's a spell. That's all he says. Harry was shocked, at, like you or me would be, that the chocolate frog is hopping. The fact that it's chocolate is secondary. Well, it's like if someone who has never been exposed to robotics mm-hmm. saw a frog robot whose literal sole purpose is to jump. And only has three hop- three good hops in it. Yes. They'd be like, how does it do that? Mm-hmm. And it would be magical to them. Yes. And then they'd be like, oh, uh, it's just mechanical. You right. don't need to worry about just it. Just because you know how something is done doesn't mean it's not magical. Yes. Like, uh, we know, roughly, here's the thing. We kind of know how a tree comes from an acorn. But think about it. A tree comes from an acorn. Just just think about yeah, it. Just stop right there and think about that. A tree. And not even a small tree. A freaking oak. 
A well, massive tree comes from an acorn. Well, and then even even more impressive, redwoods. They're the biggest tree on the planet. They come from they're they're related it's to pines. It's a really teeny tiny seed within a pine cone that requires fire to grow. Yes. It's the phoenix of trees. If that's not magical, I don't know what is. And it doesn't require somebody out there dancing around in circles singing chimney chamana chimney chamana to make that happen. Well, it's like we brought up with werewolves. It, it happens because it's magic. Magic happens. Well, like werewolves. We've brought up werewolves before. Werewolves do not turn into wolf-headed, furry, 400-pound muscle animals with a tail that can run through the night and howl at the moon that are that get killed by silver bullets guess what gets killed by silver bullets anything can get killed by a silver <laughs> bullet it's like that line in a uh, hotel transylvania yeah. uh garlic i just don't like the stuff it gives me it clogs up my throat a steak through the heart well who wouldn't that kill <laughs> yeah yeah beheading fire yes that too <laughs> i mean it's pretty basic it's like and then you have, this is where the secondary element comes in, because we brought up the normal and the abnormal. In the world today, we have two conflicting forces that are constantly at war with each other, within our culture, within our minds. The normal and the abnormal. The normal is our traditional way, our, our biological, our biospirit way of doing things. And the abnormal is anything foreign to that, anything taught or brought in from outside forces. Mm -hmm. Or from corrupted inside forces. Let's go with that. The hollows and the, the people that are more than happy to sell out people to get what they want. And I want to use an example that most people are going to be aware of. Superman. When Superman first jumped onto the scene, he was basically an American Hercules. That's mm -hmm. what he was. He had all the abilities of Hercules. He was just in the American flag colors. Yeah, he didn't have the magical breath, the laser the, he, the he laser beams. He wasn't an alien. The super fart. He couldn't do any of that. No, he had really basic powers. And then over the years, even though he was, yes, he was developed by people who are descended of the Semitic tribes, but he was developed for an American audience with American culture in mind and our ancestry. Over the years, he's become more and more of this messianic, abnormal figure from our lore, which is why people complain that Superman is overpowered, because he is. And as he was written, his lore keeps bobbing up and down. Or his power scaling. His power scaling, which is part of his lore. Because sometimes they'll give him the freezing breath and the laser eyes, and other times they're like, oh, no, that doesn't exist. Sometimes they'll make him fly. Sometimes they won't. Because remember the oldest, he's faster than a locomotive, can jump the tall, tall buildings in a single bound, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what is it? Faster than a speeding bullet, stronger than a loc locomotive, and can leap buildings in a single bound. Yes. That was his power set. That was it. Everything else has been added over time, and he becomes more and more of this Gary Stu figure. Mm -hmm. And then everything becomes more and more almost cosmic horror with his stories, because it's the only th way to give him any level of a threat. When before he was stopping bandits. Yeah. You know, the whole, the curly mustache man with the damsel in distress tied to yeah. the train. His feat of strength was they'd try to take off in the getaway car. And he would place one hand on the hood of the car and push. And the car wouldn't move as the tires, as they squealed the tires. And that was his power scaling. Yes. He was just stupid strong. Yes. That was all like Hercules. That's Hercules' only superpower is he's really strong. And he leapt over the buildings. So he jumped. He didn't fly. He could jump over tall buildings. Not all buildings. Just tall buildings. He couldn't fly. He wasn't magically powered up by the sun. It, he be, he's become over. He could hold his breath really long, but he didn't have the super breathing stuff when he first started either. No. And that's what's been happening more and more. And this is why we are extremely canon minded as a people. So we would try to downplay. We tried to ignore elements, but we, we can't completely get rid of his lore. But then you have figures like Spider-Man. Spider-Man, 
Spider-Man is actually far closer to a heathen hero. He's actually, and his a lot of his enemies are actually like basically heathen. They're not based off anything, but they behave kind of like heathen gods, like well, green yeah, goblins. Because there's a lot of white people. Okay, here's the thing: when they're like, "Oh, this is a Semitic, uh, a Semitic person created this character." No, 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 no. The Semitic person bankrolled it and got Hyperboreans to do it. Sometimes they would come up with the initial idea. And then they take it to the Hyperboreans and have the Hyperboreans do it because that's who they want to sell it to. The, the Semites are cunning. They're not stupid. They know that they cannot sell their way of thinking to us. Well, the secret of all merchant tribes is they get other people to make the products and they get really, really good at selling them. Yeah. Because if you spend all your time making the product, it's really hard to sell it. Yeah. And but Stan Lee, Stan Lee didn't hardly draw shit. Stan Lee is does not deserve his Stan legacy. Stan Lee was a front man. He, yeah, and he wasn't even an impressive front man. No. He was just really good at marketing. Yeah. But the reason I bring up Spider-Man is, yes, he's had periods where he's overpowered, but he's a lot more tame when you compare him to, like, Superman. Mm-hmm. Well, he's almost always the underdog. Yes, which is something we like in our heroes. Mm -hmm. It's a lot less fun if they can win just with a single bat of their hand. Where's the fun in that? Yeah. And this is the conflicting storytelling, the abnormal and the normal. The normal is what we're reaching for, not the abnormal. Paganism is not abnormal. It's normal. It's why we keep creating surrogate mythologies, because like it's normal to really care about your stories, your history, your culture, your gods, the things that matter that make up most and of your culture. And as they get corrupted, we create new ones. Okay, because we're, we're a warlike people, right? Th that is actually our nature. But we understand the cost of that, which is why we are so willing to back up and back up and back up and keep conceding ground until we are cornered is because we understand the actual price of war these others don't. We need to stop backing up, but that's why we keep creating new stories. Well, they've they've broken my toy, so I'll go over. I'll make a new toy, and this time I'm not going to allow them play with it. Oh man, mom said that you gotta let me play with your toy, and then they break that one, and then we just keep doing this over and over and over again. But that's that's why we've developed so many new stories, new heroes. Uh, is we're, we're the surrogate mythology. Well, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and Marvel are all basically a religion. Mm -hmm. It's And they're it, all effectively dead now. They've killed it. Yes, and so people are trying to make new ones, but it takes time to build up that level of... Because if you notice, the most successful franchises are generational. Yeah. It's because your parents or your grandparents grow up loving these stories. And in the absence of our true mythology... We're raised with our stories, so in the absence of the folklore, in the absence of our gods, the stories we're told growing up become the new mythology, even if it's literally imported from another land, like Pokemon or Christianity. Well, and here's the thing for, well, how do I tell the, the stories of, of our gods then? Okay, what you do is if you have access to, to a child, whether it's your own or you got to borrow one from your sibling. Tell them a story of, do do some some just minor reading. It, it, yeah, you don't have to get all super heavy about it. Uh, if you're Celtic, I guess Lou is a good one to grab a hold of. Read a couple stories about Lou, and then retell the stories. You don't have to tell those stories, but retell those stories as if you was telling your niece, your nephew, your son, your daughter, whatever about Spider-Man or Wonder Woman or Harry Potter or Ron Weasley or pick and a character. Tell them, tell these stories just like you would tell us uh, a story. Uh, I don't know. If you really love Star Wars, your nephew has never heard of Star Wars. How would you describe Star Wars to your nephew to get your nephew to like Star Wars too? That's how you talk about our gods. That's how you talk about our heroes. You have to like them and love them first to get somebody else to like them and love them and then tell them in the way like you're excited about it. 
Well, and make them part of every day. Yeah. I mean, because like people will make reference to pop culture figures, the surrogate mythology, because it's what the commonality is. Mm-hmm. It's like people used to reference. We don't use Bibles. No. Like people used to reference Davy Crockett in everyday speech or mm-hmm. something to do with our actual history and culture. And it's not that pop culture is not history and culture. I mean, Dracula and Frankenstein well, and were like pop Davy culture Crockett, They didn't talk about them nonstop. Nobody talked about them nonstop. But whenever they got to opportunity, they would make comparisons. Well, it's like we are missing our trickster gods right now. So what do you do? You are like you're wily like the Roadrunner or you're uh, man. You just pulled a Bugs Bunny. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Or, man, you're as strong as... Actually, we do still have a name for that. People will usually use Her- Hercules. Yeah. Or uh, occasionally someone will say, man, you're like Mighty Thor. Yes. I mean, people love those little things. It's like uh, in Futurama, the episode where they get superpowers, and Leela's like, man, that hurt. I feel like I just went 10 rounds with Mighty Thor. Literally just a random throw-in line. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, all of this is normal. The storytelling... They're talking about our favorite stories. All of this is, is it's normal versus the abnormal. What's abnormal, I guess, is the overfocus on what the stories are. I, I, I think that's the way to describe it. Like it is Star Wars rather than Lou and Kukulin and the the uh, crap, the on the Titanic, uh, the guy that's like, we'll, we'll play it down. Because that was a heroic act by, by the band on the Titanic. Oh, yeah. They, they did- kept playing the music as they sank. Oh, yeah. They were like, they basically played themselves out. Yes. And, yeah, it's these minor elements of heroism. Because here's the thing is, will you end up with a saga for being an everyday hero? No. But your community will will grow to care about you. You will grow to care about your community. This is how we work. It's in our nature. It's like we don't like people getting involved in our business. We don't like living in a concrete wasteland. We don't like that we can't celebrate our holidays with just massive jubilation. Or that we can't run down the street going waving our arms around like a fucking idiot. We like doing that sometimes. Why? Just to make people go, what the? And hopefully they laugh. But the abnormality now is somebody's going to call the cops. That's the abnormal. Well, it's They're like, so high strung. Well, it's like the eight-year-old that the mom, because the kids were fighting, she's like, okay, you, get out of the car. We're a block from home. You walk home and you cool off. She gets called. Or the co- somebody called the cops on her. Yes, the cops got called on her. And then she actually, I think, went to prison for six months. Well, jail. Jail for six months. She lost her job, had to start working a minimum wage job. Her family lost a massive amount of income. parenting classes. And and get re-educated. Yeah. That is abnormal. In a safe neighborhood. And the, the cop's excuse was because in this other neighborhood on the other side of the city, it's dangerous over there. That is abnormal. That entire situation is abnormal. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to police normalcy. Normalcy is a very broad category. And there's different normals, yes, for different groups. But our normal as a people is completely and utterly bruised. If it was a person, it'd it'd have uh, a limb that needs reattached and bruises all over, at least seven cracked ribs, missing some teeth, eye swollen shut, cauliflowered ears. It's been beat pretty bad. Right. But if we stand up and we stand our ground and we be kind, which is part of our nature, it's normal for us. We also be strong and unyielding. That's normal for us. That is part of our nature. We be understanding, but we be firm. Well, we be unyielding. We can get people to start gaining courage because that's what it is. It's just a matter of courage. There's so many people that they will say all the things that they don't freaking believe because they think everybody else believes it when nobody believes it. Well, it's part of the issue with not having that normalcy, that common mythology that allows us to be who we are i mean if you go into the woods and you just do stuff you end up getting the cops called on you because you're hunting squirrels 
You're not hunting squirrels. You're just in the woods, but some freaking person's going to call the cops on you. Right, because, well, why he's why is he out there? I'm not out there. I don't go out there. Why he? Why is he out there? I need to call the cops. Meanwhile, they're out there in the woods. That's how they saw him. Yeah. It's people. It's all abnormal nonsense. It's a bunch of paranoia and fear. And, and the thing is, is like the reason why I managed to have so many interesting conversations with people it's not like I roll up into a group of 30 people and be like, hey, yo, what's up? Listen to this. Uh-uh. I get one or two people alone, get them kind of liking me. I say, oh, yes, I got huge pendulous balls and a spine of steel. This is this is stupid. Well, it's a- and it's just completely abnormal. Nobody believes this. They immediately jump on board. They will bring up other things that I've talked about, but not to them. But I've, I might have talked to like you, for instance, or talked on the podcast about it or talked to somebody, some third party about it. And they will bring that stuff up and they don't believe any of it. But they they keep saying these things by us standing up, embracing normalcy, our normalcy and being like, yes, this is heathen and it's precious. It's precious. It's normal. It's It's just. It's healthy. It, yes, it's a beautiful thing. Well, and by it, us doing that, other people can gain courage, and a lot of this nonsense—it's not going to just go away. It's it's past that threshold now. It is going to come to—it's um, going to get ugly. But we can put people in a better situation. We can weaken the powers that right. Be. Let them know that they are, are aren't alone in thinking this stuff is stupid. Well, start pointing it out. Like if someone claims that they're a cardinal or a cat in laugh their at them, laugh mock at, them, laugh at them, point out. OK, so if you identify as a cat, does that mean if I run you over with my car that I legally at most I get to pay a fine for running over a cat? Like, how does this work? Right. Like point that out because we've gotten people to laugh by or, pointing that or out. when they go to say something, something to you, be like. You're not a real person. You're quite literally a cardinal. Uh, yeah, go, you're, go. I mean, lean right into the nonsense that they're claiming to not be human. Okay, that's fine. Why are you? Why do you think that your opinion matters? You're not a person. Here's some bird seed. Go away. Yes. Or I don't know. People are scared to describe how people look. They won't describe build. They won't describe age. They won't describe race, sex, any identifying characteristics. They'll be as vague as possible. And then, and it's b- because they're scared. Yeah, I mean, just just freaking do the honest answer. When someone's over there and they're asking, I don't know, where's Phil? Tell the truth. Tell them he's over there. He's the fat, big, hairy, white guy with big ears and a big schnoz well, and like blue the, eyes. The one guy I, I was I was looking for in, in a particular situation, I asked a bunch of people who this person was. They all gave me generalized, very generalized answers. Once I finally found this guy, I'm like, I'm glad to meet you. I'm me. You're you. This is wonderful. It was horrible finding you because I asked several people who you was, and I was mildly sure that you was either a man, a woman, or a dog. I couldn't quite figure out which one you were because nobody would say. Yes. You just need to have the balls. When someone asks you where someone is, describe them accurately. Maybe even get colorful so people don't under, don't forget. Like, I don't know, someone asks, where is Jamal? Right. He's over there. He's the seven-foot-tall skeleton that looks like he was dipped in chocolate. Well, what was it that we were saying just a little bit ago, um, just before we started? Heathenry, is, it's not just normal. It's honest. It's honest. It, it's, it's kind. Built upon it's honesty. brutal. It's barbaric, but not in the way the words mean meant now. No, how it actually was. Because it just means uncivilized. Yes, and really look at civilization. Do you really think that this was a step up? And it's not that every development that's happened is negative. It's just what's more honest: people being able to defend themselves, people able to be honest and stand for what they believe in. Or people cowering in the shadows against an idea. Yeah. It's not normal. But yeah, ethnic faith, the Hyperborean ethnic faith, the old ways, they're built upon honesty, civilization, and niceties is built upon lies. Civilization is built on a nice lie. 
barbarism is built on a harsh truth. Yes. Um, and then we're right there towards the tail end. But um, that one quote uh, from Moby Dick, uh, I've tried all my Christian friends and... Uh, I've tried... Uh, since Christian charity is proved but hollow platitudes, I will try a pagan friend. Right. Which means that the Christians are full of shit and his heathens are honest. Yes. And here's the thing is, ethnic faith in general, across the board, is honest. It's the weirdest thing. Even the ethnic faiths of presumably groups that we don't remotely like is honest. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing is... In nature, you have to be or die. Yeah, it's like it's natural to have a little bit of um, self-denial, like to have a little bit of an illusion of how things are. But there's a limit. And the reason the limit hasn't been reached for a lot of people where they can be as delusional, as dishonest, as abnormal as they are from our own natures is the fact that civilization keeps them alive. Mm -hmm. It's something much like a farm. Uh, a pig farm or a chicken farm. Yes. Uh, it, those industrial farms. It's, it's very much like that. Oh, yes. And, you know, when the animals wander away, they get caged back up and maybe punished severely so another animal doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. But this is the point of ethnic faith. This is why we talk about it so much. If Christianity was a boon, we might not care as much that it's so far extends into our lands and into our people. But it's not. It makes us ill. It makes us ill on a spiritual, a physical, a mental level. It doesn't fit. It's, it's the wrong. It's a the wrong piece of a jigsaw puzzle. It's it's just, it's doesn't work. I told you earlier, I was, I was talking to somebody that's learning English, right? And I explained them the difference between kindness and nice, or between being kind and nice. And kind is from strength. Nice is from weakness. Uh, please like me. That's nice. Kind is. You can you can do very kind things, very soft things, and be kind. But kindness might also be harsh. To where he then understood that, and then he's like, uh, he he was commenting later that nice is actually cruel. Being nice is actually cruel because it's a lie. And often results in just flat out cruelty. Well, and that nice and be betrayal lies. It's nice is not good. The the reverse side of niceties is cruelty. The reverse side of kindness is brutality. Mm -hmm. But brutality itself is simply another form of kindness. They're they're one and the same in many ways, depending on how you view it. Because you can be brutally kind. That's actually an excellent observation. Yes. This is brutally kind. Yeah, I've been described as being brutally kind. It's accurate. It's it's how we are naturally. It's like I've described. The reason our lands are peaceful typically when it's mostly us is not because we are inherently pacifistic or even peaceful. It is because we are so brutal, so warlike that we understand that even just two guys going head to head is two apex predators trained refined like steel bred specifically for that and even if one of them survives there's a very good chance one or both will die uh, yeah for real when once all once all punches are pulled and they're just going at it hammer and tongs there is a very real possibility that both will die or both will be maimed for the entirety of their life or the remainder of their life which is a waste even, of a even, life even if the one that wins kills the other one he still might be maimed for the entirety of his life and that doesn't mean never fight but it means one learn how and why and when yes all of these things matter that is why we're peaceful is because when everybody's dangerous then you think twice about starting shit. Not mm -hmm. like today where someone will start a rumor just to get you fired. And this is this is the main thing is because heathenry, because ethnic faith is normal, not abnormal. The trick is not to add new stuff in. It's to figure out where the abnormality got in. It's, it's not, to pull out the abnormal. Yes, it's 
it's less about trying to find something you lost and more about removing the tarnish, mm-hmm. removing the rust, polishing it up, making it stronger, returning to what you are. That is what it is. But you're still there. Right. You're, it's like um, think a shiny steel sword covered in rust. Covered in you don't rust, remove covered the in steel. mud with barnacles growing on right. it. You don't remove the steel. You remove all the crap from the outside of the, of the shiny steel. We haven't really lost who we are or yeah we haven't lost who we are because we're still alive we're uh, at our core we're, we're always there we well, might have lost some memories along the ways but we haven't lost who we are just remove the barnacles remove the seaweed remove the mud remove the rust who we are is lying down underneath and uh on that note yeah I'm just going to kick out of here saying um, I hope everybody's looking forward to the holidays and then I'll let you wrap it up. All right. And actually, I'm going to leave off on that as well and just say the Lord Keeper's out.